0: Welcome once again to another edition of Hockey 24-7, brought to you by Raider Media. As always, it's me, Derek Alberts, with... Tyron Barnard. Tyron Jabu Barnard. Uh, good evening, Tyron. Uh, it's uh, been a while, I think a whole day since our last recording.
1: Yeah, yeah, It's and uh, the time has really, really gone very, very slowly. I've been missing these moments, Derek, and uh, I'm glad to be back in studio tonight, not over the... Uh, the interweb
0: yeah great to have you back and uh of course uh, when this podcast does go out uh, compared to the one that we recorded last night uh, they're going to be at very different time frames so nothing will match so sorry about that but uh, it is great to have Tyron back in studio and we have uh, another very special guest on board I, I think i always intro it with those that, those words but it's a uh, it's a great introduction i reckon
1: yeah, and I, I think maybe, maybe we use uh, the word special too often, but actually when you talk about hockey stars in South Africa, and in terms of what they've done in their last few international appearances, maybe special is a bit of an understatement for the gentleman joining us tonight. Tell us who he is. None other than hat-trick hero, Nicholas Spooner. Nicholas, welcome
0: to the show. It's, uh, it, uh, we've had a lot of calls to have you as our guest, and we finally made it happen. You're a hard man to track down.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to being on the show. So, Nicholas, uh, whereabouts are you right now? Uh, I'm actually sitting over in Cold Hamburg in Germany.
0: Oh wow! And uh, yeah, tell us uh, what brings you there.
2: Um, well, I've been playing now. This is going into my seventh season for the Harvestholder Tennis and Hockey Club. And, yeah, finishing off my apprenticeship hopefully this year in November and, yeah, just living over in Hamburg.
0: Oh, we lost a, a little bit of a connection there, but I'm sure we'll pick it up again. Uh, we know that the internet quality in Germany is uh, pretty good. Uh, yeah, Tyron, <laughs> uh, I, I, will, I will never forget uh, and I will find the clip shortly. I mean, we'll get to that goal, but uh, for the uninitiated, he was the scorer of that goal.
1: Yeah, I mean... Hockey Series final in India, South Africa, playing USA, who had we lost to in the group stages. We have to win to uh, get through to the final and meet Saskock's qualification criteria, the additional qualification criteria, and we got 1-0 down. And uh, we then pull level, not too long left in the game, and with 20 seconds left in the game, we we turn the ball around from defence to attack. Uh, an absolutely incredible thing I think it was one of the first uh, Instagram videos you shared the clip went viral and the man who started and finished that move who who sprinted 80 metres and ultimately has through that uh, helped South Africa qualify for the Olympic Games is Nick Nick can you talk us through that goal
2: <laughs> sure um, I'm not sure I can pinpoint it exactly Um yeah, I don't know. I think it it was because I was in the shootout uh, shootout lineup that uh, actually didn't really want to take a shootout. So uh, I thought better score the goal before the end of the game to not take it to shootouts.
0: No, I think you're doing yourself a disservice, Nick. I, I think you you were one of the uh, the starters of that attack, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, you weren't just there to finish it off. Uh, you were one of the originators, so to speak.
2: Yeah, somehow I found myself at uh, right back where it's not a normal position for me. Um, And then, yeah, a great lead from Owen and Vimby down the front of the field. And I managed to pick him out somehow. Um, And uh, somehow I had it somewhere um, in the very hot Indian weather. And, yeah, I managed to get a tip in after some good skill from Bili and Tuli in the circle and managed to tip it in on the far post.
1: Is, is that for you? I mean, you've scored some big, big goals in your career already. I mean, uh, you have EHL goals, uh, you have uh, a hat-trick in an African Cup. Oh, I mean, I know it wasn't the final, but it, it was a final by all means and purposes. So, Nick, how does that goal stack up with uh, all the other big goals that you've scored?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, it's right up there with one of the most important goals I think I've ever scored. Um, of course, scoring in the EHL final was a real... Memorable moment for me, um, but the score against USA in the final or in the semi final to take us through to the final with everything that was sort of riding on that game, I think was probably the most important one.
1: Yeah, and listen, it was one of the most enjoyable. Uh, Eric and I on a WhatsApp group, and uh, I uh, was very vocal <laughs> at the time. I was actually <laughs> on my way to holiday and um, early in. When, was, when my, was the date? Um, I, I'll check that for you. I'll check that now for you and let uh, you know. Because I can find it. I, I, I'm going to play
0: you Tyron's reaction shortly because uh, yeah, we were following the game very closely on our respective TVs. And, and as he says, uh, we were busy conversing via WhatsApp uh, with one-word answers, et cetera, because it was so stressful. And uh, when you went and scored that goal, uh, I got a very animated voice note from him immediately after it, uh, which I will find as soon as I get the date.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and, and then I suppose uh, a little bit after that, I mean, we're going to dive into your, your hockey career, short, uh, your club career shortly. But uh, not long after that, you guys went and finished the job. And uh, that was in Stellenbosch. Um, and ultimately, you pretty much saved your best for last in a hat-trick against Egypt. Once again, South Africa loved to go one nil down first. Um, what was that tournament like for you? It's definitely the biggest one you've played on your home soil. Uh, what, what was that like for
2: you? Yeah, for sure. Um, you always hear the cliché um, from the guys before the tournament is try not lose your composure. It's a very different tournament, you know. The teams aren't like a team from Europe or anything. They're very um, unorthodox, and but they're good in their own way sort of thing. Um, and I think I, I misjudged that a little bit in the beginning. I, um, I didn't have a great start to the tournament and was a little bit sort of lost, uh, to say the least. Um, And then, yeah, the the final came quicker than expected. And the first half we played wasn't great from a South African point of view. Um, Obviously going 1-0 down, but not creating a hell of a lot of opportunity. Yeah, with a little bit of fire and a lot of energy, I think Egypt did the wrong thing by just maybe trying to defend their lead. And we had opportunity after opportunity. And yeah, I was lucky to get on the score sheet uh, three times.
1: Yeah, it it definitely strikes me you know, I was talking to uh, Billy and Tully as well, but it seems like the big game brings the best out of you. Is that that something you are cognizant of or is it something that just kind of happens?
2: Sure. Um, I I think it's something that just kind of happens. Um, I'm not sure where it it comes from. Um, I particularly didn't have a great first half in the final. Um, against Egypt so I was actually glad afterwards that I was able to simplify my game a little bit and then things just sort of sort of started falling into place after that.
0: It it is a fantastic characteristic to have Uh, in the States they like to call it the clutch players the players that can certainly perform uh, on big stages but when uh, the pressure is at its toughest and uh, yeah you say you don't know about that but I, I think the the history speaks for itself. The proof certainly is in the pudding. Uh, you you have performed when, when your teams needed it most.
2: Yeah, um, sure. Uh, yeah, I think um, I wouldn't say it's luck. Um, sometimes you make your own luck, but maybe pe- being able to perform at the level or playing it for longer periods of time in high competition games has obviously helped me in that scenario.
0: Okay, well, I, I managed to find the the voice note. Going back to that game against the States, uh, the must-win match to go through to the final. Hey, it was to, to play yeah. India. and uh, This was the voice note I immediately got uh, from Tyron. Uh, mere seconds after you found the back of the net. Come on! Yes, man! <laughs> we got to hear it again. Come on, here we go. Come
1: on! Yes, man! I, I was a bit happy. <laughs>
0: yeah, you were. Uh, and <laughs> rightly so. I, I, funny enough, I actually watched that at Supersport. And um, I was broadcasting there. I wasn't broadcasting the game, but uh, we were following it. And it's amazing how, you I know, mean, I wouldn't really say that there are many, many followers of hockey over in the building or in South Africa in general. I think um, 99% of the time you hear people screaming across the, the, the offices, it's usually for, via the rugby or football. And there were screams as soon as you found the back of the net. It wasn't just Tyron, who I could hear from uh, 20 Ks away. It was guys next door. And, and they came running through and they said, did you, did you see? Did you see? And I asked them a bit of background. They had no idea what happened. They just knew South Africa were playing hockey and you found the back of the net. And they looked at the, t- the score all uh, well, the time and they realized that it was a good thing.
1: I mean, everybody loves a last minute winner. It doesn't mm. matter the sport. It's, it's special. And for, for the hockey community, it was such a big goal because of just what it meant and... After the disappointment of 2016, this, this gave us hope um, that 2020, we could go to the Olympics again. And, you know, that's so important for ranking and, and opportunity. And most importantly, just for the development of the, the game and for the future, the future stars. They want something to play for.
0: Nick, what was it like straight afterwards? Uh, we're going back to that goal. Sorry, I know we deviated quite a bit. But... Um, I mean, that's stuff that you, you kind of script in movies and people live for that moment and uh, very, very, very few people get to experience it. I mean, afterwards, was it uh, being lifted on the shoulders of teammates kind of stuff or was it pretty subdued?
2: No, um, it was actually, I mean, at, at the time, straight after the game, everybody, there was not really much was spoken, not, not a lot was spoken in the change room. Everyone was a little sort of taken aback of exactly just at what happened. Um... I think everyone was pretty much set. I mean, you saw Sia warming up on the side. Everyone was pretty much set to go into shootouts. Um, and like I said, I, I obviously just didn't want to take a shootout that I'd had enough. Um, and yeah, I mean, the team at that stage, because of how we had got to the semifinal, it wasn't the easiest road we had. We had a, diff- a very different road to, or path to get there. And everything actually just sort of fitted perfectly into place. for I said, we got to play USA again. Um, I mean, I, I, we sat afterwards having a, having a beer in the evening and everyone was just saying, like, do, do you actually realise that we, we've now got the best chance or best opportunity we have to qualify for the Olympics? And I mean, the final at the end of the day didn't really matter. Playing India in India in the final, that wasn't, we had already achieved our goal. So, I mean, for us, that was just number one.
0: Right, 15 minutes into the show, and uh, we finally
1: got past uh, that goal. <laughs> uh, On to subject two, Tyron.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think
1: the other thing that, uh, you know, for me, what's happened is that goal, <laughs> and uh, the hat-trick in uh, the, the African Cup. I think if guys didn't know who Nick Spooner was, they do now, but is that a little bit frustrating for you? Because, I mean, you've you've won the EHL. You played, you were one of only five or six South Africans to play in the Hockey India League when you played for... Um, uh, Pradesh Wizards. I mean, uh, is it a little bit frustrating for you that it's it's taken this long for the hockey community to really un- know and understand who you are?
2: Um, no, I wouldn't say it's really that frustrating. I mean, I made a decision a long time ago, early in my career, that I wanted to compete overseas, um, and against the best in the world, so to say. Um, It wasn't that easy to get overseas at that stage. Um, I did have some contacts every around um, and I got given sort of opportunity after opportunity overseas um, where I didn't really at the end in South Africa. Um, And I actually then just decided, well, if I can't make my national team, then why don't I be the best South African club hockey player that I can be in Europe, for example. So I I wouldn't say I was frustrated about it. Of course, I always, from camp to camp, if I could come out for the camp, I tried to make my opportunity as big as possible to make the national team. But, I mean, yeah, if the guys didn't know who I was, I wouldn't say that it really bothered me at the end of the day.
1: And, uh, I mean, there was obviously a noticeable shift in 2018 um, when Mark Hopkins took over and, and it seemed straight away... That somebody was aware of what was happening in his hockey and, and he went and had a chat with, um, uh, you know, with a bunch of guys playing overseas, and they all became available again, or, or you know, most most of the guys became available again. How, how important was Mark and your decision to to be fully available once again?
2: Yeah, he played a he played a massive role because I mean I'd, I'd had some promises in the past before where it was more. Uh, not promises, but more saying, yeah, come out and your chances are 60-40 or 50-50 to make the team and um, we, we can't promise you anything and yeah, you know, that was sort of it. But with a week's notice to make a camp or something like this and I was sort of in that position where I would have to say it's costing me my own money to fly out to South Africa. Like I need a little bit more than... 60-40 that I'm not going to make the team or like I need a little bit of assurance that I'm doing the right thing by coming out and not just coming out on my own will sort of thing. Because um, as you know, it is it is quite expensive and as a hockey player, you don't earn a hell of a lot of money. Um, and yeah, Mark played. He didn't make any promises to me. He said your chance are as good as everybody else's but I think you should come back and get involved in the team and come and show what you're, what you're capable of and yeah, I would say I took a chance. I could have gone the other way, but it ended up going in the right direction.
1: Oh, fantastic. Look, and, and as, a, as a hockey fan, we're both of us are just excited that you're available. I mean, right now, I had a discussion with a few fans in Stellenbosch and a few coaches from other countries, and uh, whether you know this or not, there was no doubt in their mind who South African hockey should be building a squad around, and it was yourself, it was Diane Kasim, you know, and and they said the two of you are really the centre to to the success of the, the the future success of the country. Does that come with a little bit of uh, extra expectation your way or pressure your way?
2: Well, no, I wouldn't say a lot, any extra pressure. I mean, um, we've got a nice group of or squad of uh, guys at the moment young, old, experienced, a little bit inexperienced, um, talking inexperienced. I'm also not an experienced international hockey player. I think I've only got around 20, 26, 27 caps. So I'm also an inexperienced um, international hockey player, which is a good thing. Um, So there's a lot of guys that are sort of around the 40 caps and stuff like this, which offers South Africa a big, yeah, a big opportunity to say, let's build now with the squad that we've got with some experience and some inexperience and let's try to keep these guys together as one unit because they seem to be doing well as one unit. Keep them together and keep building around the guys like myself, Diane, Billy, and Thule, Austin with the experience, uh, Rusty Peterson. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for the guys.
0: Yeah, having a look at the official stats, you've got 19 caps under your name when it comes to uh, Anto Hockey. And uh, looking at your age, I mean, you're at a solid age of 28. Uh, You haven't touched your 30s just yet. Um, And you mentioned, I think, experience because... Yeah, granted, I mean, you're on quite close to the 100 cappers or three figures like the Russies, etc. But, I mean, that that is a good age in which you can command respect and authority amongst the youngsters around, uh, despite the fact not having uh, got close to three figures just yet.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I play any part. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm the world's best leader. I can get a little bit uh, agitated at times and maybe use my words in different ways. But... Um, um, you know, I've, how I've learned overseas is you've got to try to drive people to get the same thing you want out of a team and if you're not doing that you're obviously yeah, you're not wanting the success of a team and I think it's, it goes for everybody, it doesn't matter how many caps you have, how many, or how old you are, it's more just what success do you want out of the team and what little aspect can you make the team better and yeah, that I think I'm in a good position now, a little more experience maybe in life as a whole rather than just hockey that I actually know a little bit more of where I stand rather than five years ago when I actually made my debut or six years ago.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, the experience, as you say, you may not have the most on an international hockey uh, platform, but, you know, you've been playing for uh, close on a decade in Germany and in this German club that you're with, the Harvester Huda. I hope I've pronounced it right.
2: Yeah, yeah, you did, yeah.
1: Um I mean, you're you were you guys in 2014 became only the second German club, besides your neighbours Hamburg, to win the EHL uh, when you guys won the final in a shootout against Toranja Um You of course scored in that final, as you've already mentioned. I mean, what what was that like? Because we know that the EHL is essentially uh, hockey's equivalent of the Champions League, and you guys there, you got it. You you've got your name on the winners uh, the winners. Trophy on uh, being prescribed in the history. What was it like going through that tournament and lifting the trophy?
2: For sure. um, yeah, I mean, for for me at that stage, it, as it was my first season at a uh, Harvester Hooder, it was it was just an awesome experience being involved, playing on TV, playing in front of more than like four hundred people at your at your game or five hundred people playing in front of a couple thousand people watching, and that the games actually like really mean something to these to these clubs and everything's sort of built around on and so you lose your game, unfortunately you pack your bags and, and you go home kind of thing. So you're also sleeping in the hotel not really knowing, sure am I here tomorrow night again? Or so just the whole experience around it was um was really cool and really eye opening for me. Um, and then yeah, being able to to get into the final and then actually go and win it. I think it's also it's a massive underdog story, a team that's just started in the EHR. I think we were the first one to win it in the first season without, or before it was uh, started, Okay, so from the first one. So, I mean, it was incredible to play against guys that had, I think, at that stage, 13 Nether- or 12 Netherlands players. They played in the national team, two Pakistani guys that played in the Pakistan national team. And then to a German squad where we had, I think, two national, or one national player, one that played three caps for Germany. Um, and then, I think, three Austrian guys. So... Yeah, a very different sort of two teams on paper, but the better team at the end of the day. And yeah, we managed to to win it somehow.
1: I mean, and it's an epic story that uh, you guys not only won it that year, you won a bronze two years later. And uh, I mean, if you look at the, as as you said, if you look at the squad makeup, uh, the Harvesta Huda team is not made up of 14 internationals. I mean, I'm going via Wikipedia here, so I apologize because I I don't understand the language on the the website, but your current side only features essentially six nationals. Yeah. So, I mean, it's quite a rags-to-riches story, uh, but I see that your team narrowly missed out on EHL this season. How how have they reacted to that? Is, Is the goal to get straight back into that top three and qualify next year or, or is the team in a bit of a rebuilding phase or
2: um, yeah we had, we had quite a tough season last season and with a lot of players being injured um, obviously our number one star Toby Halker was injured um, so it does make, he makes a massive difference uh, in the team um, yeah I, I think I wouldn't say we had a rebuilding phase but we try every year to make the final four and give ourselves the best opportunity of playing in the EHL um, but if you don't make it at the end of the day and you have a good season after things don't really go your way um, yeah, it, it can happen it's it's one of those things, the EHL is nice and it's awesome to play in but at the end of the day it's actually it's also really important that we do well in the German League so I mean winning the German League would actually be a lot more special for a lot of the guys than winning the EHL
1: Yeah and I see uh, we you haven't won it since uh, 2014 Yeah all right and, and how's this current season? I mean we' are just four games into the current season. Uh, the start has been not terrible but not great
2: yeah you know we got a, we got a whole lot of oh, we got a whole lot of new players um, a new squad of uh, I think we got a new squad of eight players, so it's always important. I mean they did have a nice big preparation in August uh, getting together and training of course, myself and Billy and Tully went there, um, which does make a little bit of of a difference when you're coming in, I play in the midfield, Billy plays up front, so it is a little bit hard and it takes some time to get into the season, but I mean the way (laughs) the German season works is every team can beat every team, it doesn't matter if you're first or last, I mean if you just look at some of the results, I think UHC last season, so Hamburg, the other Hamburg club last season were actually coming second last before they went into the second half of the season, they actually played uh, semi-finals, so I mean, anything can happen in this league, so it's, you don't have to panic about it. Um, you do go into two different leagues at the after the break. So after winter, they split the league splits into two, an A and a B pool. Uh, it's new this season. So like the the Belgians played uh, last season, and then you sort of play in your pool, and um, I, and then you play a semi semifinal afterwards. So it I, is a little bit easier to get back into it.
1: Okay, and and I see you've uh, got. Uh... Uh, there's yourselves there's uhC and theres hamburger polo club is there who's the big derby with
2: um so they're actually five Hamburg clubs this season in the in the league there's also uh flotbeck and club under ulster i would say our nicest derby is against club under ulster and the, the feisty derby is against uh USG.
1: And and uh, uh, Lloyd norris Jones bound to get a, a bit of a heavy tackle from you
2: yeah, you'll probably get one or two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see you, you've
0: settled into Germany nicely, even saying Derby instead of Derby. Um, uh, Nicholas, but, but aside from that, how, how has the settling in been? I mean, you've... Uh, you've plenty of experience now being in Germany but uh, I mean we've chatted to a lot of the guys uh, like uh, Lloyd etc and I mean majority of them are based overseas uh, for most of their time and it's something that you've got to get accustomed to fairly early in your hockey career particularly as South African you mentioned it earlier regarding the money and um, was it tough to to get used to conditions or did you settle in fairly quickly?
2: Um, I, I've been actually in Belgium for two seasons before that, so I sort of knew the, the whole, uh, the way it worked in Europe. Um, obviously, German's a little bit different. The, the locals like to speak their own language and everything they can, or speak English, but um, they do appreciate the uh, German word every now and then. So it was quite important to actually learn a little bit of the language and try to communicate where I could. Uh, German's a very hard language <laughs> to learn. I still can't get it right, but um, yeah, it, it, it took some time to say the least, like to actually sort of get around to the point where I needed to know what I was doing, not just coaching hockey or playing hockey. It's also good to give your mind a bit of a break and go and do something else or do a little bit of work on the side to earn some extra money as we you, you spoke about. You don't earn a hell of a lot of money. So even in the clubs, I mean, the German clubs aren't huge, they don't pay huge salaries. Um, so, I mean, it's good. You have to go out and, and look for something else.
0: And family-wise, etc. you said that yeah, you try and get away from the game when you can over in Germany. I mean, what do you do to to while away the time?
2: Um, yeah, it depends how the weather is. Uh, so you probably got one month of the year where you actually have sunshine in Hamburg. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you a lot of times you're going onto the the Ulster, which is the, a big like uh, sort of lake um, in the middle of the city, and sitting around there with mates or I live with my girlfriend, so every now and then I. Go take her to the Ulster, um, but yeah, going to the city and stuff like this—it's very, it's very—they're very big on their city sort of lifestyle, which is quite cool. There's a very nice harbour in Hamburg, so trying to get out of the house and if you don't want to be active, sort of thing, try and get your mind away from hockey a little bit.
0: So there you have it, tourism 101 uh, with Nicholas Spino. With, when it comes to Hamburg, go and sit on an ice lake uh, if you're not playing hockey. <laughs>
1: All right, Spoons, the other the other one that I, I was interested in, I mean, we we all talk about it here at home, is that uh, the Dutch league is seen as the biggest league. I mean, obviously, the Germans basically run hockey, but the Dutch league is is known as the big league. Is there a dream to get across there and play a little bit of hockey there? Or are you happy where you are in Germany?
2: Um, I'm very happy where I am in Germany uh, at Um I would like to, at... A stage of my career, have a little stint in the Netherlands. Um, I'm not sure when or where, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice to challenge yourself to something different. Um, not that I would leave my club in any sort of problems or anything like that, but yeah, I'm massively happy here. And if there's an opportunity in a couple of years to go and have a look over in the Netherlands, I'm sure I would be interested.
1: Okay and and then the other club or franchise opportunity that you've had a chance to to participate in uh was the Hockey India League which uh currently is in a bit of uh let's call it a dormant state um but in the the seasons that you played what was that uh, opportunity like for you
2: um yeah it was it was huge uh, I didn't really I wasn't really expecting to get uh to get selected uh, or to get uh, drafted but um yeah, I, I got drafted for my, what is it, my, um, my minimum wage on the second draft. So they needed a player that was cheap and had some experience playing in Europe. And yeah, I mean, we laugh about it. I hadn't been to India for five years. I hadn't been to India at all. And I went like five times in three and a half years. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting experience. Being in India for six weeks is tough. Um, it's mentally very tough. You're away from your family and friends. Of course, you have you have some uh, other friends in India and some inter- other international guys. But you're almost you're almost away. I, won't, I don't want to say away from civilization, but it's it is similar to this. You sort of you're on the move the whole time for six weeks. So it's it's, it's tough mentally. Um, but from a hockey experience, playing with guys. I mean, I had for example Jamie Dwyer, Eddie Ockerton, Toby Hauke, Augustine Mazzilli, uh Gonzalo Payette, um Playing with guys like this from international legends is was incredible. Standing next to Jamie Dwyer and hearing some of the way he talks about goal-shooting techniques and stuff like this was an incredible experience, even though we weren't even playing hockey sort of at the time. So, yeah, I mean, the experience it created was awesome for me.
1: Oh, superb. I was just going to say, if you look at that... Uh 2017 lineup and you see in defense, Gonzalo Pellier, Arthur Van Duren and Nicholas Spooner in amongst the Indians. I mean, that's, that's pretty intimidating for a lot of people. And then uh, you also played alongside a good friend of mine's, uh, Ernst Barth's son, Stander, who uh, has been playing no. for the Dutch. Uh,
2: so the, sec- the second year I, d- I didn't go. Uh, I oh. got released from my contract. So I'd uh, been injured before this with a, um ACL operation, so reconstruction. And, um, yeah, they, at the end of the season, wanted to go with some other players. So Toby Hawker also pulled out at this stage, and I got released from my contract, So, which was also okay for me. It was probably better for me to recover or have a couple more months of recovery than trying to rush it to play the Indian Hockey League.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Um, yeah, and then, uh, obviously, you were so... Uh you, you haven't played in the South African PHL because obviously the timing of it doesn't allow the international-based players to play. Um, but you did play a lot of club hockey in South Africa specifically for Wanderers. You also uh, uh, would have, which, uh, sorry, which they are one of the the top clubs in South African hockey. Um, and you played alongside your Butch Stewart who is uh, seen by many as one of the Wanderers' legends. Um, a captain there who's led the team to Belgrade Tech's titles and a very humble guy, but also a big supporter of yours. How did that dynamic help your uh, development as a hockey player growing up?
2: Um, I've been a Wonders, I've been a, I've been a member since I was since I was born. My dad was a long time Wonders member, um, coached the first team, played in the first team at Wonders as well. So, yeah, standing on the side of the fields, watching them on grass, or going to play with them on the grass. Uh, Obviously, gave me that sort of feeling of that the feeling of wanting to be a hockey player or a cricketer. Um, yeah, and playing alongside my butt, it was it's it's incredible to always play with your your sibling. And um, yeah, we we had a lot of fights on the field, off the field as well. Um, okay. But yeah, a really cool experience being able to share some hockey memories with him as well. And, yeah, I think he's probably the one defender that gets into a circle and shoots at the goals, probably one of the most I've seen around in a long time. So don't really know what he's doing there, but he's he's scoring some goals, which is quite cool.
0: Nick, what does uh, the future hold for Nicholas Spooner? Still 28. Uh, you've mentioned that you, you're you very keen maybe to, to one day to head over to the Netherlands to play over there. And... Um, from a south african perspective uh, no doubt looking to add to those 19 caps uh, and, and what do you make of the future of Essa hockey at the moment uh, under the the leadership of springs
2: yeah uh, i i think springs is a, a good coach um i think he's worked hard to get into the position he's in and he's done well with the teams he's had so it's always it's always now i've never it's actually the first time i've been coached by springs so I mean, yeah, I had a, had a good experience so far with him. It's obviously different to the European coaches or anything, but it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, and I think the this, like I said earlier, the squad, uh, the build-up of the squad at the moment, and with the new coach of Springs and having Zietler in as the assistant, I I think it's, it's it could open a lot of doors for us if we keep keep sort of staying, sticking together, and moving forward as one unit and And seeing how many, or if we can play a lot more test matches and training sessions and camps and all of this together to to make sure that we first of all, well prepared if we go to the Olympics or the team that does go to the Olympics. And then to just keep chipping away at getting those ranking points. It's important to always be higher ranked in the world. Um, Hopefully one of our goals in the next two or three years would be to take part in this pro league. Um, which is a cool idea. It's probably the most professional hockey we'll get to. It's almost a little bit like rugby flying away for a test match and stuff like this. So there are some really cool opportunities for the South African team, but at the end of the day, we have to make sure that we're giving ourselves the best opportunity to get into all these tournaments by being higher ranked, by doing better at tournaments. So it's a long road ahead, but uh, it's a positive road. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, we'll see, see what happens.
0: We certainly will, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you, you do the comparison with rugby, and, and often when we chat to the guys, on yeah, um, it, it's hard not to look at at the big three when comparing hockey, the likes of rugby, football, and, and cricket. And there's there's no doubt um, you guys would be envious not only of uh, their schedule but their paychecks, etc. And it's a question that we pose more often than not to the guys. I mean, what are the steps that that hockey can take to to get even within the ballpark of uh, the the bigger brothers, so to speak.
2: Yeah, we we need a, a big uh, we need a big sponsor, a big backing to come on board with South African hockey, which would allow them the opportunities to hold more camps in different cities, to get the guys staying longer together, to make. Yeah, to, to make your trips when you do go and play test matches or do go to these tournaments to make them as easy as possible. So you don't need to concentrate on anything else. You only need to concentrate on the time that you're spending on the field and where it actually matters for you as a sportsman. Um, and all the stuff around that is all dealt with. All And not because of the money or not because of, yeah, we're less fortunate than other teams. Which It shouldn't also matter about money. Um Playing is, is one thing and the money is a, a completely different thing, but our league hockey or our league structure in South Africa also needs to they need to make that better. Either a, a complete national league where all the top teams are playing in one league together, so all the Cape Town teams, Choburg teams, Durban teams, PE teams, Northerns, uh, all the Nor- Pretoria teams, all playing together in one sort of league. And then your leagues below that are also strong. You can also have like maybe conferences, so to say, like the English do where you have two separate leagues for the second league. But until we play in competitive games against each other week in and week out, unfortunately the the level below the national level is not going to get any better. And the the sort of knocking on the door from players that aren't getting the opportunities to go overseas and stuff like this is a little it's it's tougher. And the more we do this and the more the bigger the leagues get and the more competitive they get. I think I mean, for example, the Belotex guys are doing this awesome Riverside tournament, which all the teams love. I know it's a big joll as well, but you know, that's competitive games on a weekend, which makes it easier and it makes it sort of it makes the teams better and get to know, ah, oh, okay, this is a high pressure game or IPT. For example, you go and play maybe three good games at IPT or three really competitive games, which is awesome but your other three games aren't so competitive. Where you'd rather say, okay, well, let's make sure we play six or five competitive games rather than three and we leave one game away, for example.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I I was going to say, I got to attend Belga Texas Elite Club Challenge at Riverside this year and and just the quality of hockey, um, with no disrespect to the IPT, was just a step up from from what is our current uh, pinnacle of the game here in South Africa. So, I really think Club hockey is where we need to strengthen. Uh, we really need really to focus a little bit on that and have a proper club champs, which features all provincial sides, and use that as a selection. And heck, who knows, maybe we then become an attractive destination for a, a Harvest widow to come play a pre-season tour or something like that, yeah, where they get to we, play the top we, teams.
2: Yeah, we are definitely an attractive um, place. I mean, the, what our country can offer outside of hockey is so attractive for the European clubs, and a lot of them have come already. Um, being hockey, that hockey is not their number one uh, priority there. It's more to for team building and stuff like this. But, I mean, if they do come across all the top clubs, club teams in South Africa, they have, they have a tough game. Uh, they probably won't win, but that's not the point. Um, the point is that they're actually getting tested, in those in those games so yeah we we, we need in, in my opinion I would I don't wanna, I need to be careful what I say here but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would I would rather not have PHL and put all that backing that the government has given the PHL into IPT and actually have a proper IPT where the guys have to fly out from wherever you are in the world and you make that your complete sort of your your pinnacle tournament and that feeds or you get fed from all the clubs. So the Wondrases, the Riversides, all of these guys are actually feeding. And you can use it as a franchise as well. You could say we're gonna Joburg's gonna have two teams in there and uh, Cape Town are gonna have two teams. Durban are gonna have two teams. PE can have two teams and whatever, wherever you come sort of in your in the in standings or in the table at the end, it depends how many teams you get in. And then guys can go from even if you play at Riverside, you can play in the Jobig teams, for example, or and so on. But we need to be crea- making sure that we're still at that level, in our provincial level, getting more competitive games. And that obviously comes from more club players' competing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you, you say be careful what you say, but I think you've not said anything that uh, hasn't been echoed here before. And um, not just by you uh, around the hockey community. We really do th- see... Um, yeah, we, we need to make uh, our highest selection tournament the highest tournament a, a provincial or club player can play in. I think it's simple as that. I think you shouldn't have an IPT which people are avoiding because they can rather go play a PHL.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and just because it maybe you earn a little bit of pocket money or something like this, it shouldn't be the fact that you... Why are you playing the PHL tournament in the first place? Or that you're doing one and not the other because the IPT you have to pay for yourself. and you see, uh, Unfortunately, that that's the, the stage that we're at, that a lot of good players can't afford to go to IPT. First of all, can't take the leave to get to IPT, to take leave for a week and then not get paid and have to pay, what did we pay, around 5,500 Rand to be at the IPT for a week. So it, it's it's tough. And then you have good players, good good club players that are good provincial players and have also been national players that aren't, aren't going. So at the end of the day, you actually, your your tournament's getting worse and worse just because you're making it harder and harder for the guys to participate in it.
0: When When is IPT again, sorry? Uh, Actually, it just passed. It yeah. was in Bloemfontein. Do Do we have dates for next
1: year? <laughs> <laughs> well, next year's a tough year because of the Olympic Games. Yeah. Um, but usually around August, September, towards the back end mm. of the uh, club hockey calendar.
0: Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. And as Tyron echoed, uh, it's certainly not the first time we, we've heard this complaint. And, and I'm sure Hockey 24-7, uh, we could go some way into trying to encourage uh, a, a little bit more money to, to go into the coffers or, or something, so, some way to, to make it bigger than what it is. And, and exactly that, would you say, is that the premier tournament to which sees you get high honours should be the premier tournament.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: Well, yeah, uh, on, from that note, uh, let's get on to happier times. Uh, uh, pretty much wrapping up the show, I, I think we've done and dusted from the serious stuff, Etai.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could chat to Spoons for hours, but uh, we know he's got some training to get to shortly.
0: <laughs> there's, there's also a big frozen lake waiting to, to have his presence felt.
1: Um,
0: Spoons, we've, uh, I'm sure you're a regular listener of the podcast. Uh, you, you subscribe daily, and um, there is the regular one-question quiz. It's, it's very tough. Uh, I've got to warn you. Um <laughs> okay so the this question is now now sometimes it relates to names and this is indeed the case um i'm gonna ask you to, to hazard a guess or let's see how well you know your history okay here we go um i want to know the lady's name is bath sure. sheba spooner <laughs> okay she was born in February 1746. She died in 1778. She was the first woman in the States to have what done to her following the Declaration of Independence. Um, the clues in the fact that I gave her death date as well. So 46 to 78, uh, didn't live too long in life. What happened to her? Bathsheba Ruggles Spooner.
1: Yes, this is a dark question. <laughs> this is a
0: this is a tough one,
1: and and it followed
0: it followed the declaration of independence. I've got an easier one for you after this, but I just wanted to see how your history knowledge is.
2: My history is terrible, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but this isn't a history question. This is one of the <laughs> this, this is a morbid one. What happened
0: to her? Why did she die?
2: I have absolutely no idea, Derek.
0: She was the first woman to be executed in the United States following the Declaration of Independence. That was Bathsheba Spooner. So you share a name with a, a, a fairly
1: macabre and a
0: notorious person
1: over in the states. So, so, so she was executed, and Nick executes opposition defence. <laughs> what a bad, uh, bad dad jokes.
0: Okay, this is an easier, easier one. Um, okay. Uh, Will Smith played Detective Del Spooner in what 2005 movie?
2: Uh, I am Legend.
0: Close.
2: Very oh. close. I know you didn't. I Robot. Sorry.
0: Yes. Congratulations. Well done.
2: <laughs> oh, I am Legend. That. Uh, that's uh, very all, this, all this dark talk from earlier. I got me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we've just got the title for uh, this episode. Nick Spooner, I am legend. Yeah, that's a great one.
0: <laughs> Jeez, well done. Uh, you, you came back very, very nicely. Look, I didn't expect you to get Bathsheba, so, um Yeah, hence why we had the, 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 the backup question. I, I would have been very impressed if you got that. But uh, I think that just about wraps it up, Ty.
1: Yeah, I think from our side, um, we uh, just want to say congratulations. We know that uh, Springs has just released his 45-man squad from which the, the World Cup squad will be selected. Yeah. And uh, we know that you're in it, so congratulations on your selection there. And uh, yeah, good luck for the club season, good luck for the rest, and, and stay fit and strong so that uh, you make sure your name's on that final Tokyo list.
2: Yeah, thanks very much, guys, and thanks very much for having me on the show.
0: Absolute pleasure. Uh, that, that goes without saying that Springs shares your sentiments that uh, you do about him. He, he certainly feels the same way about you. <laughs>
2: Awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent stuff. Cheers, Nick. It's been great.
2: <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thanks very much.
0: Brilliant. Uh, great to hear from uh, Nicholas Spoons. Uh, really, really nice. Uh, Nicholas Spooner, the man who, who got the one question quiz correct. Um, not many have.
1: No, and I, I think what better way to finish than say Nick Spooner. I am legend. Adios. See you next time.